Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. There's a conversation apparently right. with Stone and uh, Trump in the car, or at least someone overheard a conversation between Stone and Trump in the car, where Trump told Stone there was more WikiLeaks stuff coming, which means the direction came from Trump, not from Stone, even though he was so the access So who point. was he talking to? Well, who was he talking to? That's a good question. Who That's was really he talking to? So back to my little <laughs> diagram here. That is what I was trying to say at the bottom of the diagram, is this whole thing where Stone was the coordinating uh, guy for WikiLeaks. And I, it's at the bottom part of the diagram. Now, I just want to show you what I'm trying to get at here. At the top, you see that there was all this coordination between Manafort and Gates and Constantine Kalimnik and also Deripaska. What today's, and Deripaska. What today's uh, information does is it links Constantine Kalimnik to the GRU and the DNC hack, which we'd not seen before. Now, when you look at a diagram like this, boy, does it add a lot of... Um, well, it just adds a lot of visual emphasis to how important that is. Because up until now, they were not able to prove that there was that much connection between Constantine and the GRU or Constantine and the DNC hack. And now they can. They've completed the circle in this big investigation, at least in my mind. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer and I, I'm just a journalist. But when I look at this stuff, I'm like, oh, boy, this seems significant that they've been able to do that. And, and uh, it changes the game too, for me in any event. Anybody? So I, I no, got a question I, for Glenn. You did it. I love so it. So many. Yeah. I, so you're talking about RICO, and because we love the RICO, uh, Chapter 96 of 18 yes. U.S. Code. We love that part of that code. Um, when you get something this broad, uh, do would RICO charges maybe be appropriate, or could you just go piecemeal and all the different felonies? What do we got? Yeah. Um, it seems like this is ready-made for a RICO conspiracy investigation and prosecution. I mean, you've got sort of established roles by the different individuals. You have a hierarchy. And frankly, these are the things when we're investigating, let's call it street crime involving gangs or crews. These are the things that are sometimes really challenging for us to prove up to our own satisfaction before we're comfortable bringing a RICO case. Hierarchy, established roles, you know, um, establish supply chains for guns, drugs, information flowing from the U.S. to Russia and back. So it seems to me that a RICO investigation, and if the evidence is there, is always my caveat, a RICO prosecution of this kind of an organization is frankly easier than many of the RICO cases we, we try to make. Mm-hmm. But can I go all the way to the president? <laughs> Sorry, that was better than good answer. the answer of my dream. So that was but just great. Can I go to Trump? Is that RICO investigation going to land up with Trump at the head of, the, of this organization? How can it not? Mm. Can it not? I mean, we're, we're going to see all kinds of pardon games being played. And, you know, even though there is an OLC opinion, now I hesitate to actually rely on any OLC opinion because of the horrific opinion that says you can't indict a sitting criminal president, which is yes. insane. And 
point in the Department of Justice history is the Second Circuit judges said to the DOJ lawyers, you're not telling me that Donald Trump could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and he couldn't be arrested, indicted and tried. And Department of Justice lawyers said, that is what we're saying, Your Honor. So I hesitate to ever use, I believe Trump has a drawer full of pre-printed pardons in his desk in the Oval Office, ready to be doled out to the Bill Bars of the world, the Mike Pompeo's of the world, which is why those men continue to crime, because they believe they're doing it mm. with him. Um, I mean, Bill Barr know, probably wrote them. You know, that that's what he does for presidents is he comes yeah. in and he gives a list of the pardons that need to be written and he writes them up and he did it for W uh, or uh, HW and not, not, yeah, uh, yeah. not the son, but the first one. And uh, I, 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 I mean, Donald may have tried, but who would he rely on? Sekolo to, to write? No, I, I, Barr came in and wrote a bunch of pardons up for him. For sure. And they will all be For delivered. Sure. And I think they're going to go to family members, cabinet members, select members of Congress, select governors that have done Trump's dirty bidding on the coronavirus oh. front. I think it's going to be a pardon palooza. And then our challenge, and I want to get back to, will Trump be prosecuted? Then I think our yeah. challenge is to go into the court in every one of those pardons, if we believe it was corruptly delivered, and fight it. Mm-hmm. He can deliver a pardon Let's assume he pardoned rather than commuted the sentence of Roger Stone. Stone. Right? Roger Stone. And when you look at the sequence of events, it's laughable how easy it would be to prove it's a corrupt pardon. I mean, Roger, you know, telling Roger Stone in tweets, stay strong, don't snitch, don't be weak, don't tell on me. I'm taking liberties. But that's pretty much the tone. (laughs) You know, mobsters. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Then I'll kill your dog. Roger, Roger Stone, yeah, poor Randy Credico. Roger Stone does stay strong. Snitch. He goes to trial. He goes down in flames on seven felony counts. I mean, the evidence was overwhelming of his guilt. And then four days, four days before he is um, to report to federal prison to start serving his sentence, he gives the interview to Howard Feynman. He says, Mr. President, I stayed strong. It would have been much easier on me if I had snitched on you, but I didn't. Here's what I want. I don't even want a pardon. I want a commutation of my sentence. And lo and behold, later, I'll take that pardon, assuming it was a pardon, not a commutation. And we wanted to charge Roger Stone beginning in January, which I would love to do for other crimes. Um, I would take that pardon into court and fight it. And the way you fight a corrupt pardon is you criminally charge the person who was pardoned and then you make him go into court and litigate the corruptly issue. Mm-hmm. You know, in January, we have so much to do. It's going to be exhausting, but justice is energizing and it's going to be good. It's, uh, Eric, go ahead. So would they, hold on. Details. Would, would, did you say you'd recharge Roger Stone for getting a, a corrupt pardon or recharge the guy who gave the part i would charge well i donald trump would have to be charged as part of a conspiracy to obstruct justice by that course of conduct mm-hmm. with roger stone. but roger has committed offenses and it's it is reaffirmed in volume five that he's never been charged with so we may be willing to move past the seven federal felony crimes he committed when he lied to congress five times 
threatened or tampered with Randy Credico and obstructed a congressional inquiry. Look, okay, water under the bridge, Roger. We got for you. Let me throw a theory out. <laughs> you, you know, if you think about Nixon, Nixon waited and waited and waited until he knew he had a deal on the pardons. What he said was a suspicion. Um, now we could see that the you know Trump, who's playing every sort of dirty game in the world and threatening to be a dictator for life and four years in, extra four years here and four years there. You know, he could be playing it this way that he's saying, I am going to make it so hard for them to get rid of me until they give me and my family pardons. And I, I would welcome y'all's your, opinion on whether you think Mike Pence, for example, if Trump steps down short of the end of his term and has struck some deal with Pence, do you think Pence has a political death wish or is willing to commit political suicide by issuing a pardon to Trump, assuming oh, this is Pence going? Will be, Pence will do whatever Donald wants him to do. That, that is established. Or Manafort. But Manafort picked Pence. Right. And Pence has very particular issues and problems with Russia itself that no one has really been able to dive into. So it's I think it's going to be... Up. In this. He, he's got some problems. Yeah. So, and he, and he, um, he's lied and he's, you know, to the American public. I don't know if he's been interviewed. I don't know if there was, you know, it's hard to tell with these grand juries, like who was, who was actually called in there. And, um, so we'll find, I think more of that out of the, the depth of Pence's involvement in this whole, you know, especially around Flynn and all that stuff, and especially during the transition team. There's Logan Act violations in this, in this volume five as well. A big one that we, and a new one. We didn't know that Donald Trump called, did we know that he called al-Sisi of Egypt and said to him, table that resolution that you, that the Obama administration has been working on with you and all these other people, you know, table it. I don't think we knew that. I don't think we knew that. We knew that Flynn was involved with Kissy. Yeah, Jared was. Stuff, but we didn't know. And Jared, but we didn't know that Donald himself on December no, 22nd and 23rd picked up the phone and called this. While you know, Trump was, while Obama was still the president? Yes. No way. So we have. They were holed so up. They were holed up at Trump Tower. They were all up in there just doing their, doing their mobster stuff of like, hey, buddy, Shocking. over there, you know. Don't do the thing that they want you that you've been working on with the State Department and that everybody wants you to do and that with all these things. Don't do that thing. Just table that because when we get in there, we're going to do something different. We want to do something different with them. I do you think know, Biden could strike a deal like this, and not that he would want to. Talk past the sale, Glenn. Can we yeah. can we prosecute that? Is that is that Logan Act? Can we do yeah. that? It, you know, I am not a Logan Act expert, nor have I gotten that deep into Volume Five, so I have to pretend to know something I don't. Okay. Okay. That's a good answer. That's well, a good it's answer. up in the 700s. I went to the end of it because I knew everybody was in the beginning, and I was like, okay, let me look at the end of this thing. What's in here in the end? And it was, I mean, every page, it was like, oh, oh my God. Oh. One of the things you found was the Peter Smith <laughs> murder or suicide. So let's talk a little bit about Peter Smith. Chicago right. operative uh, gets uh, approached by uh, Chuck Johnson and others, I think, within the campaign to look out for the these missing yeah. emails. The, 30, the first hack was the hack of the DNC. The second thing they were looking for was the 30,000 missing emails that Hillary Clinton um, right. supposedly had on her home server. They go to Peter Smith and they say, dude, will you try find this? He contacts some uh, hacker. He was hacker. making claims, too, that he had yeah. it. Yeah, and he, yeah. They, he connected with some hacker online who claimed to have this these emails. They even, I think, sent over these emails, and they were being vetted by somebody at the administration. This is mm -hmm. all from memory. Sorry if I'm getting it wrong. But Peter Smith lands up 
committing suicide, or at least he's found dead. But the thinking is that he committed suicide initially. And there are about five key members of the Trump administration who were participating in this little effort to get 30,000 e new emails. Among them, Flynn, I think, um, what's her name? The, uh, yeah, yeah, Kellyanne. Kellyanne was part of this thing. Kellyanne? Yeah. So it's five different people who were involved. I might be wrong about McFarland. I'm sorry. For you might be wrong about McFarland, but yeah. I think it is. I, I, I might others. be wrong about that. But, but anyway, there's a bunch of Yeah, them. there was a lot. Turns out that it wasn't necessarily a suicide, right? Is that correct? Bannon, Bannon, I think was one of I them. I don't know that we know anything about. I think there Peter was some real Smith. suspicion about whether it was at the end of the day, because I think he was found, you know, under suspicious circumstances. But what we found out today uh, was that Flynn uh, pled the fifth. He pled the fifth on that. We knew he pled the fifth to the Senate. There were no details, I believe. I looked through it because I didn't remember that. And I'm like, God, did, he, did they say what he pled the fifth around? He pled the fifth around this, wow. around the searching for Hillary's emails and the cooperation and coordination with Chuck Johnson and Peter Smith. That's what he pled the fifth around. And the Ladines, who were all up in there trying to like hunt this stuff down. And, um, you know, this is a really dirty little team of operatives that were also involved in a bunch of the Kavanaugh stuff. You know, they, they just lurk in there and they that's chuck johnson so for everybody can remember is the one that um coordinated with he knows uh weave who's andrew Odheimer, who's a, a a former hacker he uh, continued to be hacker he was put to jail by hillary clinton um and has a grievance against her he's uh was big in the anonymous community back when that was sort of a real thing and not taken over um, and he's, I think, currently in the Ukraine. He might have moved on from there. But he was Chuck's um, partner in doing a lot of the Planned Parenthood, you know, hacks and stuff that Kellyanne Conway had a hand in, all this sort of dirty political ops that we saw during the primaries, the Republican primaries. In I think Wiener as well. He was part of that, um, too. He was, he was the guy that went in there with the Wiener and, and uh, sort of hacked into that email and showed the sort of new stuff from Anth what he said was new stuff from Anthony Weiner's computer, which is what caused Comey to reopen that investigation um, and uh, and then say to the world, we're reinvestigating this uh, Anthony Weiner hack and all this stuff around Weiner, which was a big part of the Hillary email stuff, believe it or not. It was all, everything just kept getting collapsed into emails, her emails, her emails, her emails, because that was the narrative that was working with the base, as well as with the broader media and the broader public. We had, you know, the New York Times with one of their journalists mentioning over 90 times about Hillary's emails and zero times about Trump, organized crime, Bayrock, you know, all this other stuff, like zero mentions. Uh, so in all the stuff leading up to the campaign. So these things are all connected. It feels, it might feel like a lot for people to wrap their minds around, but just, it was, it's the dirtiest of politics was going on with hackers, with real crimes, with people ending up committing suicide or whatnot, with Russian intelligence. It just was all in this mix to and you just found this email mess today. with the discourse. You found this email. Yeah, that, that's in there. That's in so the. This is from. That's in the thing today. Uh, that's from Chuck Johnson. He's redacted, but in the in the report they name that it's him. So in a paragraph right below that in the report it names that it's him, um, and it's saying I talked to Steve, which is uh, Bannon, who will compel you to turn over to us all thirty thousand emails you located, and at, uh, referred to WikiLeaks. Uh, BB is Breitbart wants to publish them first. Mm -hmm. We do not give a rat's ass what happens to you. This is before this man was dead right before his death. Um, and we'll turn you over to the feds for prosecution if you do not comply. So that's how they work. That's how they work.
that poor man. You know, whatever. Peter Smith, a yeah, dirty operative too. But look at well, look at this. There's no, there's no excuse look at this. This is a threat. This is a threat. And you know, I'll ask Glenn. I mean, this you're, you're the homicide uh, lawyer here. This sounds like it could be a pretty tricky uh, territory for uh, these guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like communicating a threat, which in and of itself is an offense. And anytime I hear about you know, suicides, I think, of Epstein, and, you know, the, there really seems to be no level to which these folks won't stoop, I guess, to retain power, um, because power equals, I, I, I have had a hard time, and um, maybe I will forever be naive about our federal government and how most people who populate it are good, honest law-abiding, and they take their oath seriously. But I can't, for the life of me, figure out how politicians at some point didn't feel compelled to stand up to Donald once it was yeah. just inevitable that the man was a Russian asset and he would destroy our democracy, you know, in a minute. And yet... All of these folks in Congress, the Republicans, none of them would lift a finger other than Romney. I will never understand if that's just their, you know, insatiable thirst for power. Are some of them compromised themselves? I mean, Certainly Mitch I don't McConnell, know how human... I think with uh, Deripaska was quite compromised. Look, Mitch McConnell is in business with Oleg Deripaska, and he's he was championing uh, uh, for Deripaska's businesses to come into Kentucky, promising jobs through all that, doing all kinds of behind-the-scenes lobbying. It's worth it for people. If they followed me, they know that I've been on top of Deripaska for years, right? This is a very bad human being. <laughs> I don't care. Come and get me, Deripaska. Um, I mean, he's mobbed he, he operates, the team, right? he operates the like mafia. Putin's henchman. And he's he operates one. with our intelligence community. Yeah. He's, he's Putin's henchman in 2006, and, or maybe it was a little later, seven. He was, he was brought to the attention of, uh, of, of our intelligence agencies yet again as someone who could possibly help find Bob Levinson, who was, was just, uh, uh, unfortunately, family said Bob has passed, but he was the longest held captive um, in U.S. history, um, captured in Kish, Iran, former federal prosecutor, right? Former, former guy. He was a former FBI agent, actually not prosecutor. He's a former FBI street agent um, that was specialized in Cosa Nostra in New York City and went from that to then really focusing on Semyon Mogilevich and the Russian mafia. Um, even when he left the FBI and he started his private consultation business, he continued to hunt down Mogilevich. And this man, unfortunately, was and, uh, you know, had a lot of points of contact and a lot of sources that ended up being business partners on Donald Trump's real estate properties, right, all over the world. So I wrote a big piece about this called Poke the Bear years ago, and Deripaska was central to that, central to that, because for some reason, our CIA, our, our FBI, our intelligence agencies, our investigative agencies believed that he had credible information on the location of, of Bob Levinson. How would he have that? Why would he have that? Why would he know 
that information. That's the kind of operative that Deripaska is. And he's tried to use this kind of information to get visas to come and be here. He wanted to be in the West. He's tried to get a U.S. visa forever and ever and ever. He's been denied by our intelligence agencies and by our State Department. Do not let that guy into the United States. It takes a lot to sort of be like, no, you're too bad. You're too awful. You're too mobbed up. You're too much involved in organized crime. You're too much involved with intelligence. You know too much about the underworld and the really bad operations that are going on in there. We don't want you in our country. And he was desperate to get over here. And he's been working for years, trading information to try to get in there. And Mitch McConnell's willing to bring this guy into Kentucky. Into Kentucky, he's bringing this guy in his mouth. That's how bad it is. Everybody. Which is the reason that those sanctions were dropped against Deripaska at the end of the day. So, you know, uh, yes. people consider how they vote, uh, any any viewers in Kentucky. Um, boy, we covered a lot of territory there. But there is a, uh, you know, Deripaska is certainly central to this whole operation. You know, it's Kalimnik. Uh, he worked, uh, he was the guy who gave Manafort orders at the very beginning of all of this. He's and millions of dollars. a GRU asset. Um, he has himself right. said that he views, has no difference between his own activities and the state's activities, and he's very, very, very close to Putin. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm going to run through a couple of things quickly. I'm running out of time, but I want to show you the many, many times that Trump tried to get a hold of, of Putin. Here's some letters. This is all in today's report. I was just stunned oh. at all these receipts that these guys had today. <laughs> Here's him from, uh, I think this is 2006. I can barely read it, but, you know, there he is saying, oh, God, I'd love to see uh, Putin. What does it say over there? I can't read it properly. Maybe you can. Dear Mikhail. Paula informed me of a recent trip to Moscow and how impressed she was by you and your organization. That's oh, one been, of uh, Putin's guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then it goes on and there's yeah. another one here from 2000. Dear Mr. President. Yeah, that's to Putin. Yeah. He's just writing letters to what Putin. What does it say at the bottom there? It's I the love hottest, you. The, uh, what is it, the hottest or the most beautiful woman in the world or something like that? This is him wanting to try to bring the uh, Miss Universe contest to um, yeah. whatever it was that he owned. The most beautiful woman. I know woman. you will have a great time. Boy, oh boy, when yeah. you enjoy these beautiful women. Um, there's more here. Uh, I don't know what he's actually said, but this goes on and on. This report is Oh, that's so from Rana. That's to Rana. Oh, yeah. This is, that's um, from Paula to Rana. And what is it? So this is, uh, let me look it up here. That's to Rana. Hi, ladies. Hey. Hi, ladies. Well, <laughs> I'm off to Moscow. Yeah, this is uh, Rob Goldstone, who's, who is the, uh, the contact between Emma Nagalarov Right. And uh, Aris Agalarov, you remember those two were building a tower uh, yeah. for Donald Trump when he was saying there was no business, he had no business deals in Russia, no business deals. But during the election campaign, what was he doing? Negotiating a tower during the campaign while he was saying all those things. During uh, the campaign. And Rob was the one who sent the communication to Junior saying, I've got this, we've got the emails for you. And, and, and Junior said, if it's what I think it is, I love it. Right. Exactly. That was That's the exchange the between Junior and Rob. Right. And Natalia Veselnitskaya, that whole meeting in there June, on June 9th yeah. in Trump Tower. Uh, and this goes on and on. It's just kind of fascinating to me. At the end of it all, uh, Putin does send uh, Trump a gift. Here's a nice uh, picture of oh. that gift. A little note. There's a little Kremlin a thing. Gift. I don't know what he says in there, but there you go. But there is actually a really interesting gift that the Agalarovs do send him. They send one of three paintings. Um, in a, they were meant to be in a triptych. They said, we're going to send you the first one first. And then next year we'll send you the second part and then we'll send you the third part. This is the first painting, which by the way says, I don't know what it says at the back, that it says for re for something oh. democracy. And there's these guys for there that look like democracy. zombies walking around that you know, look like they're having a 
horrible time in democracy. And there's this woman with the Rolling Stones T-shirt. I don't know what that means, but the next two, this is according to the, the, the report today. It looks very Soviet era. It looks very Soviet era revolutionary kind of stuff. And then the yeah. final one has, I think, maybe I'm going in the wrong order. There's another revolutionary picture. With, it looks like the Russian flag. Why are they sending the president this? Why? What is the message encoded in this thing that they feel like they need to send him one of these over three years? You know, and here's, here's the note, by the way. I don't know. Okay. That's my little uh, quick summary of everything else that's in there. There's a lot there, but it, it, it certainly indicates <laughs> little Donald show Trump and tell. liked a little show and tell. Vladimir Putin a lot, all the way back to 2003. Now, does that show some sort of intent, yeah. Glenn, or, or, uh, or not? It does. I mean, the admissible evidence is... Um, you know, Donald Trump's every statement and every tweet is virtually an admission that could be used, packaged up, you slap an exhibit stick, sticker on it, and you introduce it in a trial as evidence against him. Um, you know, and there's so many examples of that. You know, when, for example, he said in some of these top line um, findings and conclusions that, you know, when he told Mueller, um, I don't recall having any conversations with Roger Stone about WikiLeaks, and yet he's been bragging endlessly about how he's got the best memory because, after all, person, woman, man, camera, TV. <laughs> well done. <laughs> what I would do as a prosecutor is I would introduce every single statement that Donald Trump ever, ever made that said he is a brilliant man with a mind like a steel trap, he never forgets anything. That's a mistake <laughs> to prove that he lied to Bob Mueller about not remembering anything about talking to Roger Stone. Nice. I mean, it really uh, is like shooting fish in a barrel. I tell you, and when I, I know you guys are, you are so much more immersed in the details than, than I am. I What I tend, tend to do is I try to look at the evidence that we have available to us and see, okay, what kind of crimes are conjured up by that? And I'll tell you, when I read a couple of paragraphs, if I have a minute, when it talks about how the committee found that Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered, ordered Russia to hack your networks and the accounts affiliated with the Democratic Party and leak the information damaging to Hillary Clinton. And then it goes on, I won't read it all, but it talks about how Trump, I mean, uh, Putin's goal was obviously to hurt Hillary's candidacy and because they expected her to win. They were trying to undermine her, what they thought was her eventual presidency. And then when Trump became the nominee, they were redoubling their efforts to get him elected. And the last line is um, their goal in all of this was to undermine U.S. democratic process. And then when you juxtapose that to Helsinki. Mm, I mean, right. Don uh, knew all of this. Putin cyber attacked our nation to undermine our democracy. And I went back and I looked at that clip again today at Helsinki. And he said, you know, Putin denied it. And I don't see why it would be Russia. That, I mean, I took out my big blue code book. That is, have travel. <laughs> that is 18 USC uh, 3. Which accessory is. app. Oh, really? Plain and simple. Oh. And it's one, yes! it's, it's one, it's, it's, oh, one, it's one sentence. It's one sentence. And it go says, it. 
whoever, knowing that an offense against the United States has been committed, like how about cybering, uh, cyber attacking our country to undermine our democracy, never mind interfere in our elections. Whoever, knowing that an offense against the United States has been committed, either receives, relieves, comforts, or assists the offender in any way to hinder or prevent apprehension, trial, or punishment. Basically, he stood up there and he gave Putin aid and cover and comfort. And we all saw him commit the federal felony offensive accessory after the fact. Again, these things are not hard to prove. The, you know, based on the publicly oh, available, we saw it in front of our eyes. These things are not hard to prove. We just have to get after it come January. Can, can we get into that then, Zev? Can yeah. we get into Glenn's? I, Glenn, yeah. I think it, Glenn has a podcast now, everybody. I'm so pleased because you were hey. doing your videos, you were doing your YouTube and, and getting your message out there because you could tell, I could feel like, and we were DMing a little bit, but I could feel like you were like, oh my God, people have to know what's going on. Right? It was like a voice of clarity needs to keep kind of getting out there. And now you have a, a podcast, Justice Matters. Um, so... I, you know, we're just big Glenn fans because he's risen to that call from uh, years of being a prosecutor, witnessing crimes happening in front of his face, in front of all of our faces over and over again, but also seeing all of your despair about it, everybody. And I'm get, I get this a lot. Eric gets this a lot. Zev gets this a lot. We get you guys saying, yeah, but nothing's going to happen. They're going to get away with it. You're, you're in such despair about this. And I want you to do you know, commit homicide against your despair. Like you, you need to murder that despair because that's actually the enemy. That's the enemy, not, not justice, not the process, not the future, right? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So, uh, and Glenn is out there giving a roadmap. This is how we're going to get it done. And it's not just the Presidential Crimes Commission, the Trump's Kind Commission, there probably will have to be Truth and Reconciliation Commissions, which we've talked to with Zeb about, because he lived through that in South Africa, so that people can come forward and just sort of say no, because there was so much gaslighting with all of this. There's been so much gaslighting. We've been victims of this gaslighting this year, and Glenn, you too, of, you know, we've been saying these crimes and pointing them out since 2017, and people, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about, and all this horseshit around all this narrative. So let's have Glenn. Glenn, if you can, just I know you're doing a whole podcast about this, but just walk the audience through some very basic things that we can do come January with a new administration to actually heal and bring justice to this situation, because everyone's very yeah. hopeless about it. So in my 30 plus years as a prosecutor, I prosecuted virtually every kind of crime from property crimes, guns, drugs, you know, stolen cars, arsons, rapes, child sexual abuse, to every manner of murder imaginable, to RICO cases in federal district court against the largest gangs in D.C. And I've dealt with countless, countless victims and in homicide cases, family members of the homicide victim, because once you lose some, a loved one to violent crime, your family is never the same. So um, what I've learned is that you can never heal. You can't even begin to heal unless there's accountability, right? No prosecutor in the world has ever said to a burglary victim, robbery victim, or rape victim, the way you're going to heal, the way you're going to put this horrible incident behind you is for us to decline to prosecute your attacker. 
that's the ticket for you to heal. That's justice. That's the opposite of justice. We tried that with Richard Nixon. We said this man is a criminal, petty criminal, compared to Donald Trump. If Nixon was a shoplifter, Trump is a serial murderer, right? But we're going to take this leader of our country, leader of the free world, and we're going to say the way for the country to move and to heal and to and to you know, uh, put this long national nightmare behind us is to decline to hold accountable the person who just put us through this nightmare in the first place. That's insanity. That is insanity, pure and simple. But I'm really encouraged by many of the things that I've heard. I've got a stack of legal pads. I don't do computers. I've got all of these crimes catalogued that Trump and company and let's not, I mean, Pompeo and Giuliani and I mean the whole ugly and Barr, the whole Mulvaney, the whole ugly assortment. I could do a whole hour on the conspiracy and who's in it as a result of the bribery and extortion of President Zelensky. And that one's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'm so encouraged that Biden stood up and said, I will not pardon. I will not Uh pardon. That's a great then you have congressmen saying there, there needs to be a presidential crimes commission. I hope we've learned our lesson from the way we botched the aftermath of Burgate. And I hope we realize, and you know what, now we have 170,000 dead folk on top of it. And I know we don't have time, uh, but I can tell you that there are three simple elements to involuntary manslaughter and Donald Trump fills all three hands down hands down and you're going to come back we're going to talk about that yeah oh no i I can't i can't can't wait until justice comes justice for those 170,000 dead folk and their families and their communities justice for what he has put our government through he's tried to destroy all of our institutions of government look at who he has installed as his cabinet secretaries of education of agriculture of EPA, of the Department of Justice. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And I think we have come to a point with Donald Trump and his band of ne'er-do-wells that we realize we have to proceed with criminal investigations in the grand jury, indictments if the grand jurors sitting as the conscience of the community believe the evidence is there to indict and criminal trial after criminal trial. And these punks will fold. Watch them fold. Watch Mulvaney fold. Watch Pompeo fold. These punks will fold. If they were strong, if they were strong men and women, they wouldn't be acting the way they're acting right now. There's no doubt. Well done. Well said. I'm really looking forward to a justice department that actually is not political. I think we've ruined our our sense of what justice is in this country uh, under Barr, and we need a DOJ that is not doing favors for anyone who's in power. The DOJ needs to be completely unbiased in every way whatsoever. And Barr is absolutely guilty of a thousand crimes. I'm sure, again, I'm not a lawyer, but he looks to me like he's guilty of a thousand cover-ups and a thousand attempts to obstruct justice. So, you know, if one thing we can get right is a justice department that actually goes after these guys and then and one that is uh, unbiased and, and nonpartisan, boy, we would have gone a long way. Eric, final thoughts from you. Can't wait for January, man. You paint a great picture and everyone <laughs> needs to hear it. And it's, yes. you know, 
uh, a friend of mine asked when when Trump came in in 2016, and she was an attorney, and she's she was worried, she, and she says, "What could what can we do here?" And I said right off the bat, I said, "This is going to come down to lawyers. This is going to come down to the law. That is the only way these people will be held accountable." And you know, I know we all wonder how we made it through this long, but we're tough. And um, I'm really appreciate your perspective as a as someone who's gotten justice for people that have been hurt and we've been hurt and how do you get over it it ain't by saying ah well there were a lot of technicalities no you nail the bastards and so hearing that from you with your experience and i know you've done this for other families and and our nation it's just awesome to hear it from you thank you lb yeah any final thoughts um yeah i i guess my final thought on this is uh, is we have a ways to go um, you know, we, we we've got this convention, which is wonderful. We're all going to tune into it now. Um, and, uh, and then we have to get through a, a nightmarish, <laughs> you know, uh, cascading, you know, I don't know what to call it, the weeks leading up to this election. And so we need everyone to stay focused, everyone to vote. And in that time period, I would like you to pay attention to what's happening here on narrative, right? What we've been doing, what Glenn is doing. We're all locking arms with one another to be very clear about what our expectations are of our leaders and mm -hmm. what and keep keep cutting through all of the disinformation out there, all of the bullshit narratives so that we can keep telling the story to you as cleanly and clearly as possible, outlining the stakes, right, of what is on the line and what we're going to do about this, right? Glenn is there going, this is what we're going to do about it. So that's why you want to listen to his podcast. We're not cross-promoting one another for anyone. No one's making any money. <laughs> that's not what this is about. That's how we're still losing money on yeah. this. But, you know, we're joining forces now as much as we can and you're going to see this all over the place so that we can keep this very clear singular focus going it just happened with the usps that pressure worked uh, nancy pelosi called everybody back in and said we're going to go after this guy and then he was like ah, okay i don't mean to do any of that but he still got a lot to answer for we're going to make him answer for it that kind of energy is what glenn is calling for you to keep hold on to that energy not the despair hold on to that energy of like we're going to hold you accountable. We're going to keep pressing. We're not going to take our eye off the ball. And we're going to get there, everybody. We're going to get there together, together, helping one another. We'll and, that's, and that's why we did an entire hour on Volume 5 tonight and did not talk about my pillow or whatever that thing was with uh, Anderson <laughs> Cooper. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Glenn. You've been terrific guests. I hope you come back on. The podcast is called Justice Matters. He's also got a Patreon yeah. page at patreon.com forward slash Glenn Kirshner, I believe, if I haven't got it right. Uh, so uh, if you want to uh, subscribe to his podcast, do it there as well. Otherwise, download his podcast because he's a terrific guy and you know one of uh, the, the sole people on TV of the last uh, few years who's actually stayed consistently true to the story and has been uh, prosecuting the case against Trump all the way through. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Glenn. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Zev. I love joining you all. I hope to come back soon. I hope you do. Have a good night, everybody. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download.
Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Mm-hmm.